Good morning. Buenos dias for some. <laughs> we're finishing up our series on the Lord's Prayer today, and we're focusing in on that last part, deliver us from evil. Do you know what basic training is for a soldier? We call it boot camp. It's where essential training happens for a soldier to serve well in, in armed forces, in, in, in battling situations, in warfare. And that's a very negative subject, but the truth is we are in spiritual warfare against evil forces. And there's a spiritual battle going on for minds, for souls of people. It's an unpleasant reality. Sometimes we'd like to ignore it and not be a part of it. And yet, the Lord's Prayer actually addresses that very issue. These are basic spiritual needs that followers of Christ need. And Jesus says, pray about these things because these are spiritual things, essentials for my followers to pray about so that you can serve me well, to be trained in this kind of work for life. I have a few slides I want to show you. Christian Life Basics. What to ask? Elmer Towns puts it this way. First, we focus on heaven. So when we pray, and it doesn't always have to be the very first thing you pray, but in your prayer time through the day, you should worship God. Remember who God is. Remember how strong he is when you're feeling like you're weak or being pressed down to go to him and just thank him for his sovereign control, to hallowed be your name, to worship him. And then to think about his kingdom. Your kingdom come. What does it mean to obey kingdom principles, to think about his kingdom and how you can be a part of bringing a taste of that kingdom to the world? And then submitting to the king's orders. Your will be done. As much as anything, I need to surrender my heart to God's will. I read about his will and his word, but then to surrender to it, to be willing to do it. Secondly, we focus on earth, our physical needs. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us for our defeats, for our sinful ways. Forgive our debts. Pray for victory over temptation because the world's pressing in on us. Our own hearts, our sinfulness does. Lead us not into temptation. And then for protection, deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one. How has studying the Lord's Prayer helped you? Some thought questions for you. Do you approach God more reverently since we've looked at the Lord's Prayer? Have you thought about that a little bit more to think about approaching God more reverently? I hope so. Do you think about God's kingdom and his will for right now and your part in doing that? It's very personal. Do you ask God to provide for your daily needs? Are you trusting in him? We sang about that today, resting in him. Do you ask for forgiveness from God and then from one another? Do you help, ask for his help to overcome sin regularly? I hope the Lord's Prayer, the study in it in Matthew chapter 6, will change the way we pray together. Jesus taught us how to pray so that we would be world changers. Imagine that, you and me, in Havertown, in this place, to be world changers. That's 
what Jesus is saying we can pray for, to bring a taste of his kingdom now. So God can be glorified and many would believe and enter his kingdom. So when we pray, deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one, we do that by belief in Jesus Christ. And two key points today. First is this, deliver me from evil. Understand that Jesus Christ delivers you for all time, beginning when you believe in him, from sin's punishment. You're delivered from evil, positionally. And then secondly, you can ask God to deliver you daily and humbly. You come to him asking for his help to avoid evil and to do good. So that's what we're going to be looking at today, two key thoughts. So delivered for all time. In the book of Colossians, we looked at this a while ago when we were doing fruitfulness on the front lines. Listen to these words. Colossians 1, verses 12 through 14. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's a great truth. We've been delivered by Jesus Christ. Belief in Christ as Savior means your sin is taken away and he's changing you as a person. The Apostle Paul wrote kind of similar words in 2 Corinthians, familiar words to many of us. Many of us. Therefore, it says in chapter 5 of of 2 Corinthians, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, We are ambassadors for Christ. When we believe in Christ, we become a new person. We become, we were dead, and now in Christ we're made alive. We're now alive to God. We're given a new position. We were lost, lost in sin, lost in darkness, and now we're brought into a kingdom of light. We're alive, and we're we're changed. We're being changed. Peter reminds us in his letter in in 1 Peter chapter 2 that we're now a royal priesthood. We're we're people who receive mercy. We've been given a new position that never changes through belief in Christ. And then we have a new purpose. We're ambassadors. We're to go and send out the message, to tell the message that Christ has come to bring people into his kingdom. Sinners made into saints through faith in him. We had some friends come a few weeks ago to tell us about how to to be more culturally sensitive. And and Banu, our friend Banu, shared this with us. Matthew 4.19. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. That's believing in Jesus. That's that faith step. Follow me. Trust in me. And then I will make you. That's God working in us to change us, to make us new people. I will make you what? Fishers of men. Telling what we know about Jesus so that anyone who believes in him can enter the kingdom. Making disciples. And you know, every one of us is called to be a part of that in some way. 
speaking, living it, praying about it, helping others to share that message, supporting it. You have a part in that. That's what Jesus called you to do. Follow me. Are you following him? Have you believed? I implore you to do that today. Jesus is the Savior. I will make you. Are you allowing Jesus to make you something new? Are you following him and learning from him and doing the work he called you to do, making you into godly people? That's God's work, but we must follow we have to follow and, then, and, and listen to him and obey him, and he will make us ambassadors. It's all laid out for us. I have a diagram I wanted to show you. Something that uh, one of my Bible professors, some of you would have known him, Dr. McGay, he showed me this, and it's impacted my life for years. I've shared it. I've drawn it on napkins, etc. But there's a little timeline there. Somewhere along the line, at first X, you believe in Christ along that straight timeline in time. You've come to faith and you've changed and your position in Christ never changes. It's a straight line. The minute I'm saved, believe in Christ. And when I meet Christ face to face, that's who I am. Never changes. But then there's that wiggly line. <laughs> and that's my life on earth. That's now the ups and downs of my walk with God, being changed, but it's always supposed to be progressing upward so that one day when I meet Christ on that second X to the right, who I am and what I do is all going to meet. Where are you at? Are you growing? Are you following? Are in your ups and downs and plateaus in your life and walk with God? It's always to be a progression. And God gives us the tools, like in the Lord's Prayer, to help us move upward to become who we are in Christ. It's a great picture and reminds us how we can be changed by following Christ. I have come, Jesus said, to give you life and to have it abundantly. Jesus came to deliver us for all time. Once we believe in him from eternal death, we have nothing to fear. We're new creations and he's changing us. But not only that, Jesus conquered sin and death so that we can conquer the evil one that has brought evil into the world, the devil or Satan. So we can be delivered daily. Deliver us from evil, it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 13, or deliver us from the evil one. And by the way, if you're into the Greek text, I won't go into it, but there's a strong case that it's deliver us from the evil one, not just from evil. The Greek there points to it, the context of Matthew 4, where Jesus was tempted by the devil himself, is all there in the context, but it's either way. Deliver us from evil or the evil one. Those two are like meshed together. So we are to be seeking Jesus to help us overcome evil and the evil one. Some things we need to know about that. Number one, Satan exists. He's real. He's not a made-up character. And to attack God, the devil attacks God's people. So know your enemy's tactics. I read a story about a man who, who went to a weekly prayer meeting at a church. And every week he would pray and pray. And at the end of his prayer, he would say this. 
Every week he would close his prayer this way, and Lord, clean all the cobwebs out of my life. So every week he would pray and pray, and at the end of his prayer he would pray, Lord, clean out all the cobwebs in my life. And finally one night a friend blurted out at the end of his prayer when he just said that, Lord, clean out all the cobwebs in my life. The friend blurted out, and Lord, kill the spider. So sometimes we put band-aids, and we're not asking God, band-aids on the sins, the cobwebs in our life, you know, on the hurt, but we're not dealing with the root problem, which is, Lord, help me to understand my enemy and what he's putting into my life to resist him. It's not just the cobwebs we need to get rid of. Yes, we do. But also realize the enemy is after us because... That's the way he works against God. We ignore the spider, and we shouldn't. He's alive, he's working, but we do not need to live in fear of him. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, James tells us, and he will flee from you. He will flee from you when you resist him, like Jesus did with the word of God when he was tempted. Use God's grace to remove the cobwebs. Deal with the spider who's making the cobwebs. Satan is real. Number two, Satan is in a spirited conflict with God's people. So when I pray, Lord, deliver us from evil and the evil one, what we are praying is, Lord, we are turning ourselves over to you to protect us. We need the protection that God gives. The Apostle John in 1 John chapter 4 says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for there are many false prophets going out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So we have nothing to fear, but we need to be aware of the battle that we are in. And you might be saying, well, who am I that the devil would be coming after me? That's how he works against God's people. So not only you individually, but us corporately. He's after us. He, he uses other means, people, etc., laws, whatever, to go after God's people because that's how he works. Just read a book. I'd recommend it. James Hamilton, What is Biblical Theology? It's thin. I'll show you a copy of it. It's a great read. It traces the whole theme through scripture of the different things. But he talks about messianic woes. And it's something believers we cannot avoid. Dave read from John chapter 17. Let me just highlight a few verses. Look at verse 14. Jesus is praying this prayer for you and for me and for the the disciples. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, 
but that you keep them from the evil one. That's Jesus' prayer for us. You ever want to just go home to heaven? But that's not God's plan for us right now. He's left us here so that we can bring others with us. So that we can make a difference in this world and bring glory to God by telling the news. Listen to what Jesus said. Remember to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus after he was resurrected? Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into glory? In Acts chapter 14, Paul was always preaching this, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Doesn't sound like fun to me. But when you follow Jesus, that's the route we have to be willing to take. The only way to avoid these woes of sharing what Christ had to go through to save us. And then he's called us to do the same. The only way to avoid it is to join the losing team. To join Satan's team against God. That's the only way to avoid these woes. And when you avoid earthly woes, because you're a follower of Christ, then you're never going to be satisfied in this life. And you're never going to find peace when you're in the lake of fire with the devil and his angels because it was prepared for them. Satan thought he defeated God when Jesus was crucified, but God accomplished great victory through what looked like defeat. And Satan, I can tell you this, has no new strategy for the church. He's going to go after the people of God And when we're faithful to God, even unto death the way Jesus was, then God will be lifted up and the kingdom of God will come and many will believe and enter it. So what about you? Is following Jesus hard? What do you think? It's not for the weak. It's not for women and children and people who need a crutch. It's for the courageous. It's for people of faith. And true world changers, women and men, dare to follow Jesus. That is not easy. And God will give you the grace you need to stand with Jesus. So dare to follow him. Dare to follow Jesus and be a new person. Be changed by Christ. Go fishing for men and women. Dare to believe what Jesus says. Yeah, I'm reading another book. (laughs) It's from Chinese pastors. It's just sermons they preach. And, you know, they know what it's like to be persecuted for their faith. Listen to this quote from, uh, yeah, what's that famous guy's name? Tim Keller, okay, at the front end of the book. Some people will look at, he's talking about suffering for Christ, living for God. Some people will look at your life and faith and persecute you, and others will look at that same life and will praise your Father in heaven. 
Some non-Christians will respond with hostility, while others will be attracted by your life and persuaded by your testimony. And I propose that this is a great way to test ourselves. If we are only persecuted and a few or no people are finding faith or being attracted to Jesus through us, then we are likely being persecuted for our tactlessness. If we are never persecuted, then we are likely compromising or being too quiet about our faith. Now check this out. But if both of those things are happening, if you are persecuted and your testimony is bearing fruit, you are in a sweet spot. What a great thought. Satan exists. He's in a spirited conflict with God and God's people, and God is your deliverer. Respect your enemy, the devil. Don't be overconfident. You know what happens when a a team is overconfident, like, oh, you know, these people have not won a game, and they don't prepare for the game. They can lose that day on the field. Well, we can't be overconfident. Jesus is the conqueror. So we conquer through him. So we have a responsibility to remove ourselves from areas of temptation that easily overwhelm you. If it's on your computer, man, then avoid it. Do it in public so you're not tempted by things you shouldn't be looking at out there. Resist evil and the devil's schemes. Ready yourself and put on your armor. God is your deliverer. But you need a prayerful strategy. If you have your Bibles open, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Again, familiar familiar words for many of us, but always advice we need to hear. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. There we go. I found it. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in in the strength of his might. See, we're dependent on God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Not on ourselves, but depending on God. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's enough to make me shudder. I can't even see them. I don't know what they look like, but I know they're at work. But notice, we trust in God, we rest in him, we find strength in God, but we have a responsibility to put on the armor of God. We have a sly enemy. And we're to put on the whole armor, not just a piece here and there. Put on the whole armor of God to be a soldier ready to do battle. 
Look at verse 14. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. We need God's word. We need his truth. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness, understanding who we are, we're made right with God through faith in Christ. I'm a child or a daughter of God, and I can stand and I can resist through the word of God, through the position that Christ has won for me by his death and resurrection on the cross. I have nothing to fear, and if I have nothing to fear about death, and I can be daring to live for Christ, and even if I die for him, I'm more alive than ever before. I'm not looking to do that, by the way. But I have nothing to fear, and we need to encourage ourselves, and that's why it's so great to read about testimonies from Chinese pastors who are facing it and to read what they're telling their congregations who are being persecuted. You know, it's dangerous to go to church in China. Would you be here this morning if it was dangerous? But they choose to gather together because they love Christ and they know they're going to win. Stand by putting on the truth of God, the righteousness, our position in Christ enables us to stand. The shield of faith, know God's history. We sang about it today. He stood by people in the fire. He divided the waters of the Red Sea. God is with his people. He was with Daniel in the lion's den. Well, he probably wouldn't do that for me. It's okay. Many prophets died and they're alive with God. So will you be and be ready to take the gospel, the good news of Christ, wherever you go, to live it, to tell it. One other thing I want to point out. Look at verse 18. Four times it mentions prayer. Praying at all times in the spirit and with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me. Wow, prayer, the Lord's prayer, guiding us to be better soldiers, to think about how we pray and what we pray for. That is God's will. That will enable us to stand. Jesus' model prayer gives us the key subjects to keep our hearts and minds centered on God and God's will for us. So it's not just a, something you recite without thinking, but it's a guide to help us pray well and sharp. So worship when you pray. Ponder what his kingdom is, what God's kingdom is, and ask for help to have a willing heart to do his will. Depend on God to provide for not only your physical needs, but for the spiritual strength you need to stand firm against temptation and move away <clears throat> from temptation. Not only clear out the cobwebs, but kill the spider. Be aware of your great need for forgiveness. Be aware of your need to resist evil and the devil. Some manuscripts include a doxology at the end of the Lord's Prayer. Other manuscripts don't. Here's what it says. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That doxology expresses great spiritual truths that are beautiful, and it's a great way to end this prayer. You know what that's saying? 
For yours is the kingdom, God, and, and yours is the power, Lord. And my Father in heaven, yours is the glory forever through Jesus Christ. It's declaring that God is number one. He's preeminent all the time. I'd like us to stand together, and I want us to recite 1 Chronicles 29.11 because it's a doxology that almost sounds like the end of the Lord's Prayer. So would you stand with me and let's say it together in whatever language you're comfortable with. <clears throat> read it with me and read it with enthusiasm. <clears throat> Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, all that David said and what we just said is true about you. You are the king. Help us to believe it and to rest in it and to live differently with more joy and confidence and happiness because you're such a merciful and great God. Lord, soon we're going to see you face to face. And we're going to be standing in your glorious presence, perfect, because of how much you love us. So, Lord, let us become more holy so your glory is seen in this world and many people will be attracted to you. And Lord, when those who might become hostile toward us, give us faith to stand. Like our brothers and sisters around the world that are persecuted but love you, help us to be brave and courageous, Lord, and we can be through your power and might because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen.